Hello and welcome. I'm Samantha. And I'm Angelica. And we're so glad you joined our Feel Good Nook. This is a space to connect and revel in topics that expand our consciousness and open our hearts. You have heard this phrase, you have three types of friends, those for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. So today's topic, we want to get into just dissecting what those three friendships are. We're at an age where we've experienced all and there's always a lesson to learn. And and I have been friends for so many years and we'll talk about our lifetime friendship. But for now, let's start off with friends for a reason. Yes, and you can either have friends for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And you can already guess that our friendship here is a lifetime friendship. But let's talk about friends that we have for a reason. These are the friends that are like, there's a lesson to be learned. For sure. And it can be good. It can be bad. It just really depends on perspective, I feel. And when someone enters your life for a reason, it's likely that you have something to benefit from in terms of personal growth um, or meet a need that you may have at a specific time in your life. That need may resolve itself through that friendship mm-hmm. or that need may not. And you continue to find similar friends that are exhibiting very similar qualities to those that you're looking for when you're when you have friends for a reason yes and it really reminded me about the article by the goop that i came across the one that i shared with you Ange, recently that had a very interesting take on the psychology of friendship Mm -hmm. it noted that we may pick the wrong people to befriend at times um, and when we do this it could be a sign that we've picked this friend as a way of working out our unresolved personal issues from the past. That's very interesting because you never think like, I'm going to pick this friend because I'm really an empathetic person and <laughs> I tend to pick narcissistic friends. Yeah, yeah. Or or manipulative friends because, you know, I just let people walk all over me. Like no one's <laughs> thinking that's what I'm looking for in a friend. Totally. But like, have you ever caught yourself just like attracting a certain type of friend in the past that now it wouldn't even like cross your mind like you wouldn't even like come into an encounter with them yeah I feel like I think about that when it comes to like women and gossip like Mm -hmm. it's a cute phrase cafe con chisme you know (laughs) yes like we love that and we kind of live for it but I feel like that's more predominant when you're younger. Um, when you're younger, you're just absorbing everything. You're soaking in everything. Who's talking to who? Who said this to that? And in this day and age, it's like, who liked this picture? Who commented on this picture? Who yeah. sent this picture? Like, it's ingrained in our DNA to be super social. Right. But now, when you're older, you look at it and you're like, really? If we're always going to get together and talk shit about people, like, I don't know, that's not going to feed me the good that I need and that I'm looking for. Exactly. Exactly. And that really resonates with me as well. Um, Because if you're spending your time really just 
observing somebody else's life and then going out of your way to talk about what you're seeing with someone else. Like to me, that's borderline toxicity Mm -hmm. um, in a relationship, but also like just like within yourself, right? Because you should probably be more concerned with your own personal life and using your life to cultivate creativity, to do something productive. Sure, you're going to have moments where you're like at brunch and then something appears. Wild. <laughs> yeah, you're like, maybe you had a couple of drinks, somebody says something and then you're just like, oh, right. And it's cool. But like, I think there should be um, some boundaries within like how much time you're spending in a friendship to catch up on things that don't, have to do with your own personal life yeah or even just small talk I love when the conversations and this is what I look for in friendships because I I have that desire or that yearning to constantly be in thought involved Mm in thought and some out there thoughts that people aren't ready to accept or think about it's always so interesting to me to discuss ideas instead of people yes and and like you said like we're all warranted our ethic when cheese may every once in a while (laughs) because some things are juicy (laughs) but I feel like that's one of the signs like you start to outgrow a person because they're not serving you in a more intimate way exactly and it reminds me of the quote from Eleanor Roosevelt it's one of my favorite quotes where Mm -hmm. um, she talks about how um, small minds talk about people and great minds talk about ideas exactly Um, and I think she was like very much onto something because we're social yes to have fun but I think that we've also been conditioned to think that sociability and um, having fun should be associated to like partying, drinking, mm-hmm. you know, doing all the small chatting and, and it's fun, right? But how much time do you think like Americans spend doing those activities rather than creating? Oh my cult- gosh, so much time mm-hmm. yeah like honestly when I was younger when I was like in my t- like early 20s I think I stopped I like brought down my partying maybe closer to like 25 mm-hmm. um but in the beginning of the 20s and even like you know late teens it was all about party mm-hmm. you know we just wanted to like go out and do things and get drunk and then wake up with hangovers and I think back and I'm like oh my god the years <laughs> the years and <laughs> even the stress that I put on my body right and mind um to that matter and it's just it's interesting to see and um I think that different generations had it right where mm-hmm. you know they were more concerned about their family's well-being they were more concerned about you know their future and like creating stability and fortune for for their families and because we've had we have so much access now I feel that our values have decreased yeah I think that oftentimes people may resort to these um, addictions especially with alcohol or things like that because you're not really wanting to live in the moment 
Mm-hmm. And once you figure out that that's actually the purpose of life is to be present in every yeah. moment, every day, every day is a new day. Yeah. No matter like what has happened in your life, you've heard that every day is a new day. So I feel that once you realize that you find that those activities are actually not conducive to your well-being and if you're going to grow and if you're going to improve and be better you have to let those things go mm-hmm. but those friendships that are there for a reason mm-hmm. enable you to kind of make those uh, leaps towards having more faith in yourself and like right. being being the company that you desire um because it becomes unfa- very unfulfilling right at a certain point in time yeah, exactly. And I think that's why some friendships, um, like the friends for a reason, are here to teach you those tough life lessons that mm-hmm. you might have not thought of even challenging yourself on. You know, you might be the party type and then a friend comes in and then, you know, say that they're like super into hiking mm-hmm. and like nature and you start hanging out and you start seeing the world much differently. Like you're not a product of like capitalism, but you're actually part of this beautiful earth that provides you like so much beauty and like nourishment. And that might be the stepping stone that takes you out of the bar and into the world of nature. Wow, I love that so much. That's what I guess we would call those filler friendships. Mm -hmm. They're definitely there for a reason. They're there to help you grow and fill up your time with wonderful or bittersweet memories. But ultimately, they're there to support you in your journey to narrowing down your friendships so that they are meaningful. And hopefully, you uncover those lifetime friendships, which leads us into the second type of friendship that we are breaking down here for you. And that's when you have friends for a season, not a reason. So what do you think that means? Yeah, season seasonal friends feel like a longer time period. Um, I don't think that that either like friends for a season or a reason are time stamped. Um, but I feel like when you break it down into a season, it just feels a little bit longer. And it also gives me like a bittersweet feeling because every time you enter a new season, it's like super exciting. Um, you know, you feel the change in the air you change your wardrobe, you're like, you know what to expect with that new season. And it's fun while you're going through it. And then it comes to an end. And when it does, it's like, it's so sad, because you, you, you recollect and you reflect on like, what happened that season? What happened this summer? What happened this winter? Mm -hmm. And, and you have to give it that that time to just kind of like reflect and appreciate what the season taught you. Because then comes a new one. And like Mm -hmm. the next one's already like at your front doorstep, just waiting for you to just walk into it. Yes. I think uh, the seasons are quite beautiful. And when I narrow it down to like, okay, what's my favorite season? I mean, it's usually fall. And I like that crispy Mm -hmm. feel. So, but it's also like an indication, like things are about to get really cold. <laughs> and it's you. and it's kind of like you enter this hibernation and all you want is like your immediate vital people because it, it, around you it's really like you're entering survival mode so 
and you know you take the opposite of that in summer you're you're much more open to doing wild things or having fun just soaking up life out in the sun like it's just a beautiful experience so seasonal friends can be a beautiful thing but sometimes a heartbreaking thing or a lonely thing um and and that's okay that's all part of the process totally totally and like you mentioned, I think that they do teach you something valuable, like learning how to be lighter. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a serious person, like bring some like lightness into your life, like don't take things so seriously. Or if you're like risk averse, the seasonal fraud might push you to take more risks in life. Um, or, you know, if you're a little sad, they might teach you how to laugh more. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're just like closed off to love you know you might come across a very loving person that knows how to love in so many different ways and it just teaches you that love is dynamic and that there is no one way but there's so many different ways and it just helps you get on that path of just exploring your love because Mm -hmm. that's like the highest energy that we have (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into the lifetime friendships. This us. Mm-hmm. This, this be us. So what is a lifetime friend? A lifetime friend is someone who you kind of really can't see your life without. <laughs> it's for a lifetime and it's on lock. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Yeah. This is very like reminiscent of like soul ties and stuff like that, that it's kind of like inevitable. Like you, you met someone and you're like, okay, I know I met you for a reason. I know that reason. Yes. The season's gone by. We're still friends. Right. And life old and evolves. Like we've been friends for 20 years. That's a lifetime for many people. Oh, for sure. For sure. This is the longest relationship I've ever had, aside from my first relationship with my family. Yeah, so true. And it makes me just so grateful that I'm experiencing that with you because it's teaching me, it's actually taught me so much about being in relationship, even with like my current partner. Mm -hmm. You know, like I know what it takes to nurture a, a friendship and I know that there are so many seasons within a long time or a lifetime friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are going to go through, you know, happier seasons. There's going to be some colder seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beauty about having a lifetime friendship is that you go through those seasons together mm-hmm. or you support the person from going from one season to another and like you're always still there it's like um, a very supportive cycle they're kind of part of your foundation you know your reason to live and who are willing to have sincere and honest conversations with you so that you can continue to build yourself up in these you know these moments and this thing called life which is <laughs> just so long well I mean Knock on wood, but, you know, <laughs> life can feel very long and, and I hope that it does continue that way. <laughs> Definitely. I think about like what you said um, about the seasons. It's such perfect imagery to think of 
you're gonna go through the seasons with these lifetime friends and sometimes like in our case you may take some breaks Mm -hmm. um I think we understand probably two breaks in our entire timeline yes and that's quite amazing when you think about it oh yeah it, it wasn't even because of arguments like oh we stopped talking twice because we had an argument like that's not the case it's just mm-hmm. we were going through our seasons and it was a mutual understanding of okay it's going a little cold right now and I accept that right and lo and behold like there you are again there I am again and this time like when those two times that we might have had a break but like the final reconnection was the ultimate like rebranding of our friendship because it was so authentic Mm -hmm. so centered in spirituality Mm -hmm. and I think now that we're in our 30s it's like crazy to see the growth yeah it's been so it's been so beautiful because I also think that we didn't expect it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that when you have too much of an expectation in a friendship, that's when things get too hard, you know, because you're now judging the relationship based on a standard or based on an expectation. And for us, it happened pretty organically. Um, it wasn't a result of argument, like you mentioned, and it surely wasn't because we didn't value our friendship anymore. It just did happen like pretty organically. Um, And it was almost like an unspoken truth that we both knew that we needed in our friendship at that time. Um, But what I also find interesting is that we never really talked about it. Like it wasn't like, all right, I'm gonna take a break now. Or like, and this isn't, working or like you coming to me and saying like any sort of you know reasoning behind it we just kind of like let things fade Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like a sting it was just kind of like actually you know what I'll take that back there was during our first break Mm -hmm. um, I felt like a little bit of a sting and I think our first break was when you were getting into motherhood Mm-hmm. And I was just like, not in that phase at all. And then I knew that I had to, like, our friendship was going to change just by the fact that we were just going into different paths. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with being happy for you and also also feeling a little selfish, to be honest. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, like, I'm really happy you're going to be a mom. Like, I know you're going to be such a great mother. And like, this is just like your timing to step into that world for yourself. And on the other hand, I was thinking about how like you were my companion for so many years. And I had like all these ideas of like, our adult life together. Mm-hmm. And like, that was almost like taken away from me. And I just felt like the parent who like needed to let go of their child. <laughs> now I'm like, now I understand how my dad felt. That was kind of like a little, a little hint of what that might feel like. Um, but yeah, it was, it wasn't, it was a little, a little bittersweet, but I think that, I mean, that's just what life called us to do, you know, like my path was to do my own thing and your path was to become a mom. Mm -hmm. I 
completely see where you're at with this. And when you mention, like, it was kind of an unspoken truth. We didn't really talk about it. Um, you're completely right. Like, this is the moment right now in our friendship. And you, you guys are all the witness to this, actually. Um, it's the reason that we've never really talked about it is because when we do talk, it's like nothing changed. Yes. We're still exactly the same. Yes. And yes, we've evolved totally. But it's something about our connection that is like, like, I know I have these feelings and when they come up, I'm more than ready to surrender to them. Mm -hmm. um, but it's almost like it never lent itself to that. It's when you really stop and take a look at it, like we're doing right now, like we're having an episode on friendships. Like, of course, we're going to talk about the elephant that has probably probably been in the room, you know? <laughs> um, and definitely, like, I can resonate with the bitterness. I think I felt a little bit more like, um, kind of like boring. <laughs> I don't know why that's what comes up to me. But like, I felt maybe not good enough or like boring, like I wasn't really traveling. I was just, I mean, we were traveling, but it was like the family unit. Right. It's like I became an octopus with eight arms and like that was my family. <laughs> and it's like in between juggling like everything you're doing and the preoccupation with making your family your number one priority. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I am tremendously sad that you felt like you had to give up your child, <laughs> so to speak, because... You know, I don't want to let go, but yeah. of course it's, it's a natural thing. Totally. Totally natural. And I know a lot of friends can relate like when one has children and the other doesn't like things are going to change. It's, it's a given. And in our case, it was a beautiful kind of coming together that just made everything natural part of the process. And frankly, a little bit worth it because for sure we now have these different things that we bring to the table and yeah. we have so much to bring to the table. So maybe we want to talk a little bit about who we are, like our commonalities um, and kind of like, we've talked a little bit about our, our friendship history. Mm -hmm. um, but like we've mentioned, we've been friends for 20 years yeah. and it's beautiful. We grew up in the same neighborhood. We come from the back of the yards, which is a South Side Chicago community. And we have all the feels when we think about where <laughs> we come from because there's so much richness to where we came from. Mm -hmm. We also went to college outside of our hometowns. We moved out of our hometowns and lived in different cities. Um, we love learning and practicing spirituality. Um, we've had someone close to us pass away, mm -hmm. and um, we're also both Earth signs in the Western astrology. I'm a Capricorn, and Angie is a Virgo. Yes. And now, we can totally mention a little bit that there's some there's kind of like some discrepancy between astrology. I feel like now I'm, I'm embracing the Leo. Like, hmm. I, and that's your, that's my sidereal sign. I feel mm -hmm. like I, I've been earth for a very long time. And I'm kind of like, 
opening up to like that fire. And I yeah. know you and I have had these conversations before, like the fire in, in us is kind of like a little bit dormant because we're so earthy or, you know, water-based and we're talking about astrological signs and how there's a difference between Western astrology and what you would call not Eastern, but sidereal astrology. And I think for a long time, we've resonated with that Virgo Capricorn, that earth energy Mm -hmm. and come to find out like we both have Leo in our charts as well. Yes. And that's something that is like, very reminiscent of that go get it energy and Mm -hmm. look at me energy that Mm -hmm. is very present in our early foundational relationship I love that yeah no it's so it's so interesting and I'm glad that you're tapping into your your fire Mm -hmm. Um, I think I need it (laughs) yeah like I like this energy and and that's the thing too about like being lifetime friends Mm -hmm. is that I've seen you tap into different energies throughout you know different phases and it's just I kind of can tell like what kind of phase you're in just like based on your energy alone, whether you're tapping into your earth sign or your fire sign. Um, But didn't you have a little bit of water in there too? Or air? Air with Gemini. Yes, very little air. No, very little water. If we're talking tropical, there's Mm -hmm. there's cancer there. (laughs) Cancer rising. Um, but my air sign, and this is why I'm embracing my sidereal chart so much more because my rising sign in sidereal is Gemini. And Mm -hmm. once I read about that, it fucking clicked. (laughs) Like it just really clicked like in so many ways. And I know Gemini's get a little bit of rap. I'm not talking about that stereotype. I'm talking about (laughs) the duality combination, the desire, the hunger to know and connect I very much relate myself to like having so much air energy because Sam, my mind is always in the clouds, like literally. (laughs) So it just resonates with me so much more when I think about like my dosha constitution as well, because I completely resonate with the vata energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. And for the listeners who um, may not know what the doshas are, there's vata, which is air. There's kapha, which is fire. No, that's then, earth. Oh, kapha is earth. And then pitta is fire. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, so I'm also a vata in my dosha. Mm-hmm. And I can relate to that because I have like so many ideas <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to just like focus on one sometimes because I feel like I need to dabble into it so that I can like plant my little seeds and then, and then I'll have another thought or like, I'll have like a distraction or like, Oh, I need to do this. Right. Yes. <laughs> or someone calls me or like, Jay's like, Hey, you want to go do this? I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely about to there. Um, and then earth Capricorn, what I do relate with Capricorn is that um, I, I am very much more like the, you know, like the strong worker, Um, I have like more discipline in certain ways. Um, I do like to keep like a smaller circle. Um, I do believe that, um, I am misunderstood just like a lot of Capricorns are. (laughs) Um, and, um, in terms of like my rising sign, which is Leo and then my 
moon, which is Sagittarius. Those are both fire. And is this your um, Western chart? Yeah, that's my Western chart. Mm. Although on my Eastern chart, instead of both fire, they're both water, Mm. which is like very confusing because I'm pretty much like air, earth, and water. I'm all four elements, Mm -hmm. depending on like which. What sign? Yeah, depending on the sign um, that I'm looking at. So, I mean, if I'm looking at my Western astrology and I'm saying that, you know, my two sub elements are fire that really resonates a ton because I feel like I've always had like a more of a passionate side to me um, or my inner self feels very passionate about a lot of things and um and I guess if I were to think about it in the western sign we're thinking about that passion I think that those who have water elements their passion comes in a form of like emotion Mm-hmm. Whereas like the passion and the fire sign comes in a way of action. Mm-hmm. And I kind of mm-hmm. you jump from one to the other. You know, there's sometimes where I'm like passionately like inspired to just take action on things and get things done and get moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also moments where I'm like, I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to be here with my feelings and feel all the passion whether that's sadness or happiness or grieving of whatever, just feeling. And like, that's also a very beautiful um, sort of passion. So, you know, I can't like put shade on like any element. They all have Mm -hmm. their strengths. And that is for sure. I am thinking as you're speaking, like, I guess the way I see it, um, Western astrology and sidereal astrology, it's like, you're you first are exposed to this by learning your western chart in our case you know Mm -hmm. um and i'm sure anyone else in the united states sees it this way yeah um because this is predominantly in the americas um so you learn your chart first and foremost when it comes to western astrology which is predominant in the united states uh you're first exposed to this kind of information like and we're very uh, centered and focused on our sun sign. So like for a long time, I'm like Virgo, Virgo, Virgo. But there's some things that are just like, okay, like I don't want to be a perfectionist. No, I'm not always cleaning and organized, actually. (laughs) And there were certain things that I'm like, I can embrace them and I have, but like, I feel like there's more to me. Uh And then I discover that there's this whole different, (laughs) there's this whole different, system based on more accuracy uh and that's your sidereal chart because the way that the constellations align um are not really the way that they should be because of the earth's tilt so you are possibly a sign before you mm-hmm. and it's actually more accurate not to say that western is not accurate um, I think you can totally embrace the both of them and make decisions for yourself, like what you resonate with more. Mm-hmm. And for us, I feel like when you reach a certain age, you're okay with embracing your feelings, like you're saying. Yes. Um, and I'm okay with like becoming a little bit more creative than I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been more like 
the life happens to me in my early life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about because we've had this conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. About the levels of consciousness. And now in a more like higher aware uh, state, there is more of that Vata element. And that's my rising sign, my Gemini. And I'm like, okay, this, this is me Mm -hmm. because in sidereal astrology, your rising sign is much more important than your sun sign. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So what is your rising in sidereal? My rising in sidereal? Um, that one, I'm not sure. I know my rising in... Was it Pisces? No, I don't think so. I think it was Cancer. Mm. Yeah. I'll have to get back to you on that one. And that's interesting because my cancer sign is in my Western chart. Mm. My I'm cancer rising in my Western. So okay. I feel like there's so much overlap between us yeah, and our signs. It's just so intriguing because it's just like a really good match. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I feel like um, we're also very balancing to one another, which I think has been really important um, in our in our friendship, because you know, there's like the unconditional love that I think is necessary if you're going to you know be in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to just like love the person for who they are, whatever shape and form they come in. Yeah. Um, but also, there is like the other part where you know we've created this like space for each other throughout the years to allow each other to like show up as we are. You know, I think that even during our, you know, breaks, we still have to keep in contact through like social media. If we like yes. saw anything like happening that was like relevant, you know, I think that we both kind of like reached out to each other, whether it was through social media or through text messages, um, which I thought was like really beautiful and um, really important to just like make sure that we're still um watering the plants within mm-hmm. you know our our friendship that we've kind of tried to keep alive for for so long and compatibility is one thing but also we've put in the um the balance that it needs to um at the moments that we did yeah and i think that uh one thing we haven't mentioned yet is like uh some of your lifetime friends they kind of like become family mm-hmm. so that's an easy easy way to understand like why you keep coming back to these friendships and why they're so good for you it's because we do both come from large families yeah but we've also kind of embraced that we are each other's family in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and you know it's more than just friendships it's like you're like a sister um and in other cases you know we may feel like motherly towards each other you know Mm -hmm. when I'm crying about something and I'm tapping into like all my emotions. You're always so stoic and motherly and nurturing and accepting. It's always so easy to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I love that dynamic for sure. For sure. I can say the same thing. You know, I, I don't really like to like cry in front of many people. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a like closet crier. (laughs) (laughs) come out yet are you an ugly <laughs> crier is I'm that why emotional <laughs> <laughs> but if I ever feel like I need to cry but I need to share this cry with someone you're definitely mm-hmm. like the person who 
um, I have on speed dial. <laughs> yeah, and I'm almost like, is she crying? Is she crying? <laughs> like, it's like you don't really see that. <laughs> But it's funny, you have so much water in your chart. <laughs> I do, I do. And actually, it's funny because like JC's, also because of what I'm going through right now, like, the, you know, going through like this physical change and, you know, health issue that I'm overcoming. And so, man, like I have not just like let my tears just flow like that um, in a while. And it just kind of happens very randomly. Um which I think is like, you know, very typical for like a healing process. Um, but when you're going through a situation and you're normally like the type of person who's like, yeah, like I'll, you know, I'll get through this. Like, let me give myself a moment, but you don't have any control on these moments. Um, he's definitely someone that I've been able to like, just kind of like cry with. And I was like, you know, I've, I've like cried in front of you, like the most of any person I've dated. And he's like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Like, do I also make you laugh and smile as much? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. It's a bad thing. It's just that, like, I feel very um, trusting and confident in like the relationship, just like I have felt with you to just like feel okay in that space. I think another thing that brought us together was when my brother recently passed away mm -hmm. and you being very present at that moment even though I think that's kind of what brought us together yeah um because it was like no way no way that this happened right now and where's my family at and then you know you come in and it's just like that's almost like one of the things I needed a lot. And I didn't know that I needed, but it's when those traumatic things happen to you and someone in your family passes away unexpectedly, you really underestimate like who it is that you really want to hear from. Mm -hmm. And it, it, there's a way, it, there's a way that death brings that out in you. Not that you're expecting it, mm -hmm. but when those conversations take place, and like you reconnect, especially if there's been a little bit of distance, it's so uplifting. Yeah. And it, it gives you so much strength because mm -hmm. really that's all the support that you need. Yeah. Those people around you during those very difficult times to uplift you and try to bring you that peace and, and that comfort. It's so necessary. And I'm very appreciative of that because... Mm -hmm those those were those were tough times for sure yeah I know and like it was just like really I mean you're just so strong but also like when that was happening I was just like I don't even know what to say mm -hmm. like I don't know what to say I don't know how to address this I don't know if I should call because I'm gonna be a ball of like tears and I cannot be that like I have to be mm -hmm. your strong friend yeah and and when we reconnected it was like we I don't think we both knew where the conversation was going to go but we talked for like an hour and a half I think yeah there was laughing there was tears there was everything there was that needed everything. to be there yeah and you know what a lot of people don't know how to act in a situation like that I've had you know my friends there have been deaths with my friends 
and their families and same thing like I didn't know how to be there Mm -hmm. and I look back at that and I'm like I could have been there but you don't know until you go through it and then you're like now I understand yes and please forgive me because I wasn't there like I didn't know how to be there I didn't know what to say Mm -hmm. I didn't know if I should just give you time like you just don't know because you don't have experience with that and then when you do it's like okay no I know exactly what to do yeah yeah and it does take it takes a an event in your life like in my case with you like I didn't know how to be Mm -hmm. you know either and I was like I just know that I just have to be because like I cannot be present in like my best friend's life in a moment like this you know, like, yeah. I just have to just like figure it out. <laughs> and um, before then, you know, I think I was a little awkward with any situations like that. Like, I don't know what to say to someone who's, you know, pet just passed away, even, yeah. you know, something that's well, actually, I mean, pet is family, but something that's like, you know, not as grave as like a brother passing away. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I, I would you know, to a stranger or to someone that I wasn't close to. I don't know how to approach it. I probably wouldn't have said anything, honestly, or just like said something very like brief, like, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sending you my condolences, all of these hallmark kind of statements. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that it's almost like I have grown through your experiences as well, because I care about you so much, like what you go through, I feel Mm-hmm. And it's, it reminds me of what my dad said. We, so on his 70th birthday, when mm-hmm. he like gave like his his speech, and he he mentioned how like you know in the seven years, like he he's experienced so much life because it's like he's experienced all of our lives. Yes, and it's so like profound because I'm like I can only imagine like. And I actually don't know what it feels like to be a mother. Like, I have no idea what a parent feels because I am not a parent. But when he said that, I was like, the closest thing that I have to that is what I experience with you and, like, my close, you know, other close, like, best friends mm-hmm. or my family. Like, when they're going through something and they're sharing that and they're sharing it with all of, you know, their feelings. And I'm like... I can't imagine what that feels like, but like, it's there. Yeah. And, you know, that was really powerful for me when he said that, because I was like, my God, like, I'm only 30. And we should talk about actually, like, our 30s and like, where we are now. But Mm -hmm. um, just to think that, like, I'm only 30. My dad has gone through another half of my life. Mm -hmm. Plus none. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, Jeez, like he's a strong fucking man because like he's still so positive like he's still energetic and I'm like yes. this has not let like life run you down because there's moments where we're just like this is life you know like when yeah. you're, I, I guess I, I think back to like when I was like in my 20s right mm-hmm. and everything was just so light like you just see the world full of possibilities um, you're like more risk. I mean, I was like way more risk taking. Like I was just like, I'm going to enjoy my twenties. I'm going to travel. I'm getting out of Chicago. I'm going to live somewhere else. And I'm just going to like live a life of adventure. Mm-hmm. And, and I did that. And then all of a sudden, like your 
30s come knocking at your door mm-hmm. and you're just like struck with thinking back about what you did in your 20s, how you spent your life. And then things just kind of change. You know, by the time you're in your 30s, it's really common for you to have experienced some sort of illness. Um, definitely a heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone like passing away that was close definitely. to you, you know? And so when you go through that, it's just very humbling to think about the delicacy of life and um, just how to treat life differently and treat yourself differently. I love what you said about uh, your dad and quoting him on his 70th birthday because I didn't really think about that like me being a mother, how I live through my children and how I'm actually rebirthed through them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, yes, I'm 31. Mm -hmm. And I am about to have a 13 year old on my hands. And it's like, okay, add another 13. (laughs) Add another 13 years to that. And then let's talk about labor (laughs) real quick. Yes. Add another to your life and I've had two kids so it's like definitely I feel like I've lived lifetimes and I'm only 31 I just can't believe that Isaac is 13 yes he'll be 13 soon I don't know you know kids these days they're just growing up so fast and maybe not maybe it's always been like this I think Mm -hmm. we've heard this all the time like time flies uh before you know it they'll be grown up in the blink of an eye we hear the we hear these things all the time and it's like you know what it's totally true the memories that we have you know where we're being very rebellious you know we may be doing things that we don't necessarily want to say to our kids like hey i did this <laughs> i snuck out when i was your yeah. age no yeah it was later let's give it definitely let's later give some credit, give like, some credit. At, like 16 <laughs> yeah we were we were definitely already in the coming of age phase For sure. or we had already come into our age of like adolescence Mm -hmm. and we probably already thought of ourselves as adults clearly because (laughs) we were making decisions like we was bosses (laughs) (laughs) but uh just like I guess my two cents about you know going through those things and then having kids and it's like okay well are you gonna tell them that you did that (laughs) I think it's a great opportunity when it lends itself to have open conversations and to each their own you know I'm not over here telling you how you should raise your kids and I'm sure people may criticize me um it's really just up to you as a person like what you want to do and Mm -hmm. you know I'm definitely no position to say that but I think about coming of age Mm -hmm. and I realize culturally like so we're both Latinas we come from a Latina background. And what we mean by that is, you know, for me, I'm Mexican, I'm Puerto Rican. So a lot of the coming of age ceremonies that we experience in our upbringing are things like quinceañeras, and Mm -hmm. those are focused on just females. So as my son enters this coming of age phase, I'm like, what am I going to do for him? There's there's and 
clearly he's not 15, mm-hmm. but I see him maturing immensely lately mm-hmm. that I'm thinking to myself, like, how can I make this experience for him memorable, number one, and number two, meaningful mm-hmm. in a way that nurtures his soul? Yeah. That's and awesome. What memory am I going to give him to look back on when he realizes that that was a monumental uh, phase of change in his life? So my vision for that is very like what you're talking about, like hiking, like very nature oriented, Mm -hmm. very holistic, very grounded to earth. Like we are going to the Smoky Mountains. We're going to have a very spiritual moment Mm -hmm. as a family. Mm, That's beautiful. It's it's so sacred. Like we're so looking forward to it that Renee and I talk like what are we gonna say to him like what are the big key takeaways that we want him to remember at this point in his life oh, and I love that. it's wonderful to be able to create these things for him because oftentimes when you have your children you're always going back down memory lane like mm-hmm. what was I like what would I have wanted <laughs> what would I have said yeah. and he's so much like me in many ways Aww. Oh my gosh, he's like my little twin. So that's coming up. And it gives me all the feels when I remember like, how we took spiritual retreats in San Miguel. So like, let's talk about let's kind of take it back a little bit. So like, yeah. we, we talked about how we were best friends. But like, that was in high school, we actually met and became friends mm-hmm. in middle school, sixth yes. grade, sixth grade. So at this point, Isaac had already met Sam or like Angie had already met Sam is what I want to say Um, in my son's era or what, how old he is now. Like, right. I already met you, Samantha. (laughs) And just to think like now when you're, you know, you're talking about Isaac's coming of age and I just see him so young, so Mm -hmm. young. And then I was thinking like, yeah, exactly. That's when Angie and I met Mm -hmm. and those are pivotal years. And the rest is history, girl. <laughs> There's so much more to go. So mm-hmm. <laughs> buckle up. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's it was um, really important, I think, for us to meet at that time because when you're when you turn 13, you start to try to identify who you are, mm-hmm. and you try to like explore different things because you're kind of a little confused. Mm-hmm. You know, you hit puberty, your body's changing, you all of a sudden have needs mm-hmm. and you're pretty much mature to know like how you're going to get your needs met, you know, and, and it's, like, and it's really through friendships and it your really friends become the sole most important thing in your life at that age. Yeah. Yeah, which is why, like, at that age, they start to, um, kids start to just kind of, like, push their parents away. Because mm-hmm. almost too intimate. Like, a parent is too intimate. It's like, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. You know, like, it's, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I don't know how to express that I'm going through physical changes. Yeah. You know, it could also be, like, just really uncomfortable topics. You know, like, I have a crush on a boy or I have my period and like <laughs> what I feel when I see blood coming out, you know, like, it's, just, 
it's just really um, uncomfortable. And so I, uh, you know, I, I think back and I'm like, I thought it was such an asshole when I was in my, in my teens. And with my friends, it was completely different. Like my yes. didn't see like the playful, the happy, you know, Sam, <laughs> like um, that was just trying to like explore things. And I was actually really excited because we were just also teasing with what we can get away from. Mm -hmm. can get away with um, during that time. Totally. And I want to say that another thing that we have in common is that, unfortunately for us, we didn't have a present biological mother figure in our lives because mm. we've had mothers in other, like, um, like in other roles, I want to say. Yeah. Um, there have been many mother figures in my life personally, yes. and I, I know for you as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why our perspective is very similar in that respect. Like we were trying to become independent and find our identity because I think in a way it's like we were always meant to be children for whoever had us you know like we were always meant to be children and it reminds me of a podcast <laughs> that you shared with me the almost 30 episode on um um fuck buddies to parenthood and how they've talked about uh you have children for one of two reasons you have children to either have babies nurture them and that kind of leads into maybe having a hard time letting go Right. And that easily fits in with like why children rebel mm -hmm. because you're mothering them too much. Yes. And then the second reason that you may have kids is because you want to raise adults. And you might often find yourself like speaking to your child as if they're an adult. You're expecting them to understand all these adult like things because you expect that of them. Right. And that can kind of create a disconnect as well. Mm -hmm. But maybe that part that was missing in our life could have been nurtured a little bit more where maybe we wouldn't have been so risk averse <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just in the cards for us. Like that's just how, that's just how life unfolds or unfolded for us. And it's very interesting to see that kind of like do a whole 360. And now like I am at that point with my children. Yes. And, and now you're present as a mom. So to your point about how, we both grew up without that female mother archetype in our, in our family. Mm -hmm. um, you had to like figure out what kind of mother you wanted to be without the presence of one in your life. Yes. And I, I would like to say that my mother and I have definitely worked on our relationship a lot and it has helped me grow so much because mm -hmm. there's, there's a little bit of, um, there was resentment on my part when my family went through a divorce and my parents went through a divorce. It really affected me in a lot of ways that I've acknowledged and I've embraced as part of my story. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud, honestly, to think about like how challenging life can be. And in my case, it was very challenging growing up as a young girl because it happened, the divorce happened right when I was entering this phase in my life. Mm -hmm. 
and having friends like you along the way mm-hmm. are, is just so necessary and therapeutic yeah. because you, you need and desire that closeness, but also that vulnerability to like right. talk about your feelings and how things affect you and why you think you're doing things that you're doing. It's like looking in the mirror sometimes and your friends bring that out. Like sometimes I'll think, you know, things about what I do or say, but until I say it out loud, <laughs> it like really <laughs> registers. And that's what I love about mm-hmm. talking to you. It's like you can actually really come to a lot of realizations. Yeah, because then we're like digging with each other. Like, well, what do you mean by that? Or, mm-hmm. you know, we can call each other's blind spots, which I think is really important. Um, and just like any friendship, because we only know as much as we can see of ourselves, but there are people who perceive you so differently. Like I'm always so surprised at like things that other people may perceive of me or of a situation where I'm like, oh, I actually thought about it very differently. Um, But that's one of the purposes of having just any sort of friendship. I really love that you did mention how how different life could have been or just the, the struggle in coming of age and not having um, a very strong female, what's supposed to be the strongest female in your family, right? Mm-hmm. Your mom. Or it, grandmother, because or definitely those matriarchs. But except it, for me, it's very different because you have your grandmothers and they love you no matter what. And it's kind of like, oh, I love going to grandma. She lets me do whatever I want, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had... Um, I have two grandmothers, thankfully, alive still today that they're very different. And I love them each for who they are. And I've come to appreciate their role in the matriarchy of our families. And I just know that there's so many different female roles that we all take, you know. And even though, yeah, I'm fortunate to have two grandmothers and maybe there was a very, very long time in my life where my mother herself wasn't present. There are only three women and they only they only have specific archetypes. So like, what about the other archetypes that weren't available right. to nurture me? Like it takes a village and you may feel like you have all these people in your life. Um, maybe you don't identify with not having a close relationship with your mother. Maybe you do have a very close relationship with your mother. But then there's probably still that like, okay, but this is kind of the role that she takes because this is who she is. These are the characteristics that she exhibits. And this is how she's likely to react or behave to this and that. So yes, there's so many archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. I had taken this course when I was in LA and then I was having conversation with um, one of the teachers and um, I kind of like opened up. I was a lot younger. So I kind of like opened up how, you know, to say how like I kind of felt like I was given like the shorter end of the stick (laughs) because Mm -hmm. like my mom passed away when I was four. So I grew up without a mother and I never met my grandparents on either side of my family. So like Mm -hmm. I only the only like parents has been my dad. Mm And, you know, he brought up a good point. Like there, he was like, well, he's like, you know, rather than like seeing that as um, something that um, you feel like you were short out on life from, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who have terrible relationships with their mother. 
Yeah. You know, it's, they, they don't speak to their mom. They hate their mom. There's a ton of resentment with their moms. And when I think about it that way, for whatever reason, I, it, it just happened to be that, like, I just was going to be motherless for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I had to come to grips with that because it was different for me for someone very close to me to have passed away because I I don't think I yet had that that time with her to create like a very strong um, relationship. The grieving that I had to go through um, was very different because I had grieving phases in every um, you know milestone in a in a, in a girl's life. So when I first started menstruating was like a milestone, you know, like that's something you want to talk to your mom about, not like your dad or like Mm -hmm. your siblings. I mean, thankfully I had the best sisters Mm -hmm. um, and they were older and, you know, they've been there, done that, and they knew how to take care of me. Um, But it's moments like that, you know, and then there's, you know, when you, when you go into like college and you're going into like your quinceanera, you're turning into a lady and then Mm -hmm. turning into a woman and then you know I just think about when I become a mom I've had to like really just identify what that means for me on my own you know like I remember like when I was like much younger like in my teens I would like look up to people and be like oh like that's how I want to be as as a woman you know like that's how I want to be when I grow up because I didn't have that for me to identify um, with the matriarchy like you mentioned and so I just came to a point in my 20s where I'm like, yeah, no, like everyone's just trying to figure out life. Like there's no, there's no comparison. Like Mm -hmm. I am just going to strive to be the best version that I can be in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And, and that's okay. And and I get to have a clean slate and figure out what kind of mom I want to be. And learned a lot actually through mothering myself, Mm -hmm. like how I can mother someone else. You know, like I had to like kind of like reprogram my body and my mind and my soul to be like, you didn't miss out on anything. Like all the nurturing and love that you need is within you. And actually throughout the years, that made me feel closer to my mom's spirit. Oh, I love that so much. Love it so much. I can totally appreciate that in a new light because of my brother's passing like Mm -hmm. there's something about that and I do want to mention and rewind a little bit you said something so beautiful about how you're thankful that your sisters helped you through all the processes and it just made me think automatically like my sister and and my actually reconnection with a stepsister and my aunts who have been like sisters and mothers and friends like there's so many theas that have played such important roles in my life and I take it back to my sister all the time because I come from a family of five siblings and my sister being the oldest has always been that mother figure. And she still is like, I still hug her and (laughs) feel like an instant motherly embrace. Yeah. And she's always played that role in my life. And so have my aunts and it's just like a beautiful thing. And uncles, uncles as well. Like family is just so beautiful. They're there for you through it all. 
And that's one thing that's kind of always going to remain constant. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to see that you and I totally have our families to lean on in in every way. To go through life, um, I think, you know, you really do need to have like your, your posse, your family, you know, the, the people who are going to champion you to just grow and keep going and, you know, just live a happy life. Um, so we've been really fortunate in that way because we're part of big families, but also our families were a very positive light in our life because they enrolled us into um, private like Catholic middle schools. Mm -hmm. And then we went to an all girl high school and we were a part of organizations, you know, mentorship organizations, like after school, Mm -hmm. you know, I was involved in like sports and um, I think you were involved in like clubs and stuff. And so, you know, that was always like really important for us. And I think that where, where there was lack families, our mentors, our teachers found a way to fill that space um, so that we can, you know, gain the confidence that we have and we can grow belief in ourselves and know that there's hope, that there's, there's opportunity, there's so many great things to experience in life. I like that you mentioned teachers because um, it's very interesting that that moment when you leave a public school and go to a private school, it intimately and instantly becomes intimate. And they leave such an imprint on your life, your friends and your teachers from mm-hmm. these private schools. And it's kind of, I, I kind of always stick by this. And this is kind of why I became a teacher is because they were so impactful. And even though I was rebellious and very, <laughs> Very interesting as a, as a student. <laughs> I just have leave to it at that. Because when I think of how rebellious you were from sixth to eighth grade, oh my I God. know, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay though, because it's part of my story, you know, it's part of who I am. And it's funny because that girl, she comes every once in a while and like <laughs> reminds me, like, every full moon. bitch, you got this. <laughs> you're that bitch. <laughs> um, no, but in all honesty, it's, it's so beautiful to think about, like, we had all of that going on. And we had prayer sessions, we had like, I had intimate conversations with teachers and all of these things made us who we are. And it's wonderful. Like, our friendship is so special and it feels so timeless because we've grappled with similar yet different life events. I've always appreciated that we share this common ground of like safe, open space where we can come together and really do anything, anything like start a fucking podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, I know it's so beautiful. Uh, we really just want to, I think as we like reconnected, mm-hmm. the desire to do something great has just like been amplified. And it's like, hold on, we know exactly what we want to do. We want to provide an opportunity for younger girls going through the same or not, you know, it could be very different. Like 
anything. We are open. But um, the goal of this is really to experience and offer an experience of a lifetime that we so remember in our early, early phases in life, yes. you know, middle school. And we've kind of been through enough retreats as young kids. Like, we miss that. Mm-hmm. I feel a calling to make that my reality now. Yeah. And and be the leader in that space and share that leadership with you. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so much richness to what we want to offer. We're welcoming you to be a part of this beautiful time in our lives where we are talking about so many topics that give us so much energy and so much vitality and really a fresh look on life. And so I think about that time in our life where we were experiencing very spiritual and monumental things and we enjoyed them as we went through them, but it's like, we almost feel a calling to like come back to that and have these experiences where we travel and like we did before, like to Minnesota or to Washington, D.C. And like as a community, mm-hmm. it's so it's so encouraging. To- yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually didn't think about our retreats as spiritual because I didn't know what spirituality was then. San Miguel was a, a religious school, you know, mm-hmm. so I felt like we were part of this institution that taught us how to pray in a very specific way with our you know, specific prayers like Hail Mary and Our Father. And it was during the retreats where we had different tasks. Like we had activities. There was like a piano. There was game rooms. Um, we had the cafeteria where like we can sit around and just like talk. Mm-hmm. Um, we had canoes and kayaks um, that we would jump on. And then we like learned how to light a fire with wood Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we like built our own tents and, and then we had like these quiet moments where the teachers and the, uh, the guest mentors just kind of, t- and honestly, I don't remember too much about what the topics were about, but I remember the feeling and I remember just feeling like it was like a bedtime story, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just so, it was so safe. I felt warm. I felt cared for. I felt like there was like a space that was created for us to just feel and feel the community around us. Like know that like our classmates are our friends, like our teachers are our friends with boundaries, but they were our Mm -hmm. friends nonetheless. Like we all kind of like cared about each other and Um, It just made me feel um, so connected to the community. And that's really important, you know, because we grew up in the back of the yards. It was a Latino community. And, um, you know, we grew up in a a neighborhood where people help each other out. You know, we're very giving. Um, We care about our neighbors. And we want to make sure that, you know, everyone is safe. You know, even amongst being in like danger zones in Chicago that are filled with gang violence um, and there's crime and, you know, there's teen pregnancies. So you want to make sure that, you know, the young mothers and the kids that are running around these neighborhoods are safe. Mm -hmm. And that's where it took the village. And I felt that um, it really 
was all around me. Like it started in the community and then San Miguel just taught us how to take it a step further. And I think that's why we want to give back, right? Um, Angie and I, you know, we've talked about how we want to be mentors ourselves. And we are, we are mentors to, I feel like it may not be the title, but I feel that um, we definitely share our experiences to benefit others in mm-hmm. in different ways and in our conversations. And that's why we love them so much because we've grown through just speaking our truth and through sharing and through just being honest and raw. And so um, one of our main goals with this podcast is to fundraise to host and sponsor a trip with teen girls with a similar upbringing. But our hope is to just plan a retreat next year to expose them to a world of possibilities and to guide them as they light their path and enter their own self-discovery. Because as we all know, self-discovery is unavoidable Mm -hmm. and it's just so much easier when you can have some guidance from people who've experienced um, several things in life. Yeah, I'm beyond thankful for those experiences because they nurtured my soul at a young age. And you said it well, like we didn't consider it spiritual. We didn't even use the word spiritual. Mm -mm. Spiritual is like, maybe some would say trendy right now. And (laughs) fuck it, if it's trendy, like working on yourself, that's supposed to be frowned upon because it's trendy, quote unquote like I'm all for it um it was very religious in nature Mm -hmm. and I knew myself I stepped out of that religion a long time ago kind of right in that phase like I started questioning the bible but I was more than open to the stories and now fast forward to a woman in my 30s I appreciate those stories for what they gave me and it's like what you said they were bedtime stories they were wonderful stories that still have a lot of value and they're pretty timeless in in that respect our the family that we created with san miguel which is our school and that's kind of like our target audience for our goal i really just want to take the time to like just like call all my people from San, San Miguel and like shout out to everybody who was through, who went through that journey with us and who resonate with everything we're saying because you lived right by our side during these times. <laughs> Please share our podcast with anyone you know that you may still be in touch with because it's like people make their little niches within the niche that is San Miguel. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking, oh, you know, I need to share this podcast with so-and-so because it really resonates with you and you can really relate to that family. And maybe you're not even a part of San Miguel, but you're still very much part of that idea. Please share our podcast. We're trying to reach that audience and more clearly more. It's it's definitely really what we're about here at the feel good. Right. I mean, we are so many communities, right? We're, women in our 30s, we're Latina women, we're women that want to give back, we're women that are fighting for a cause, mm-hmm. women who are still, you know, cultivating their identity, and we're becoming, mm-hmm. and then we are, like, we're becoming and we are, and 
is just going to continue. And so I'm just really happy to continue evolving with you and to create a community at the Feel Good Nook. Also, you know, we are not always going to talk about the most feel good, you know, topics, you know, even today we've talked about loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what, what feels good is to know that you have a community that you can reach out to mm-hmm. and that you can hear the stories of people that have gone to similar experiences because you're not alone and maybe you just have to hear it or you have to feel connected. And so we're just here really to open our hearts and to invite everyone to just um, join us on this journey. Definitely. And to wrap this up, we have a few key takeaways that we want you to really ponder on and see how see what see what moves you see what feelings arise as as we give them to you. In our experience, although our lives have had many twists and turns, and we've transformed from being young girls to complete women, our connection has felt timeless. Lifetime friendships take a balance between giving and receiving, being honest but supportive, and sincerely caring about each other's well-being. Every friendship in our lives serves a purpose. As we've discovered, the reasons can springboard us into becoming a newer, wiser, and better version of ourselves. And we'll have plenty of seasons to celebrate life with. And if you feel energetically drained or unmotivated by a friend, check in with yourself because there could be untapped information. You might realize there's unresolved within yourself that's attracting certain friendships or dynamics. Maybe you realize you're not contributing to the growth of the friendship or you're just taking a backseat rather than uplifting someone. Other times, perhaps you realize that you've outgrown the friendship. Whatever the reason, there's often a purpose and a lesson to gain from a bond you share or shared with someone. If we honor our higher self, you'll find friendships that light your way. And if those friendships don't make you feel good inside, that's a big sign to let it rest. (laughs) Let it rest if you ain't at your best. Till next time, bye.